Welcome to the Ship It Podcast. Uh, I'm Brandon, and today I've got Brian and John with me, so I'll have them introduce themselves. Brian? How's it going? I'm Brian uh, Manning. I'm an Android developer at Rocket. I've been at Rocket for uh, a little over two years now. Um, and yeah. Yeah, and I'm uh, John Princeby. I am the lead for the Rails practice here at Rocket, and I've been here almost at two years. Um, all right, so today we're going to talk about phone screens and homework because it's something that we do a lot here now, especially since you know any company that's trying to grow has to do the interview process, which is like you look at resumes, then you filter that down, and then you do phone screens, and you filter that down, and then you do interviews, and you filter that down. The interesting thing, as I've been doing more of this, um, I'm trying to get better at phone screens because you don't want to tie up everyone's time in interviews. If it's like a, it's a waste of the candidate's time and it's a waste of everyone's time that's doing the interviews. And I feel bad when it doesn't go well. I feel just bad across the board. So I'm trying to figure out the right way to do phone screens. And um, and I feel like sometimes I get duped. That's <laughs> probably the best way to put it. And I'm trying to like learn the best way around that. Um, so I guess like the first thing right off the bat that I would ask is like, so, well, I should say a phone screen for us, uh, typically, I should like kind of walk through what my phone screen looks like. So it's typically 30 minutes if we don't run over. Um, and it starts with me basically explaining what Rocket is and how Rocket came to be kind of like a soft pitch for like five to 10 minutes. And then I start asking like questions about what they do, what they are working on right now, like why they don't like it, why they left. Like, uh, and then I start to like kind of dig in a little bit about technical stuff. It's kind of hard to suss out like really deep tech questions, I think, on phone screens. Um, and I think that's where I'm struggling. Uh, so then I get to the end of it and I'm like, all right, let's get into it. And then <laughs> even when I don't like them, I always go through this process like, all right, well, we'll go through next steps and I'll talk to so-and-so and we'll get uh, my people, talk to your people and uh, talk to you later. And then I hang up the phone and I'm like, I'm not going to talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find it, it can be a challenge to really weed out people on a phone screen because there are people that are really strong who just don't do well on the phone and there are people that are really weak who can somehow sell themselves um so it's tough i the way i usually approach it is i have um i start the meeting by letting them give me their background and how they've gotten to where they are now tell me about a project that you're working on that you're really proud of sort of give a high level overview and then dig in from there get a get a detail of you know, okay, you worked on this big project. What was your focus? And let them explain it. And if they have a real hard time explaining the different moving parts, then likely they weren't super involved. And being at Rocket, we're looking for more senior people. You need somebody who's going to have that vision that, that has seen not just their one piece, but a lot of the moving parts. That's true. We do have a lot of uh, jacks of all trades here, which is really helpful because in an agency world, we just have to do a lot of different things. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but Brian, like, what kind of, like, tech questions would you talk about? Or... Uh, yeah, so I sort of do something in the middle. Um, what I try to do is sort of talk a little bit about, like, architecture. And there's, in Android, there's, like, a lot of, there are a few different ways things you, ways you can do things um, architecture-wise. And there's a, you know, sort of the one that Google's pushing now. And to see if they're sort of up-to-date on the latest things. That doesn't always mean that, that they're a strong or weak candidate. They might have heard about it or tried something and done a really simple tutorial. Or they might be, you know, have been part of a team that already had an existing architecture. So it doesn't, they might have not necessarily tried that new one. But at least give somebody like an idea to, um, like a chance to talk about pros and cons and how they view it. And if they have at least some opinions, then you know that they have more than just a passing knowledge generally of it. Um, 
And then that usually transitions into, okay, in the projects you worked on in the past, you can sort of drill into that based on what the architecture they've worked with and, um, and sort of get an idea because as John said, the, someone being able to talk about a problem they've worked on, uh, and being able to articulate it well, both speaks to their communication, which is a big part of working at an agency and speaks to their ability to actually understand the problems they were working on. That's true. I love it when someone can explain something to me that I don't know. And they can explain it to me like, Oh, I feel like I could turn around and sell that. That's like, they would explain it to me so well. They're like, I want to use it. I want to like, like, I feel like I want to get my hands on it. Um, it's, yeah, it's tough to figure those things out on the call. Um, I'm wondering also if I wrote it up on the board here, so that's why I'm thinking about it. But culture fit, like we, it's funny. It's like one of these things that people talk about all the time around interviews. But I wonder if it's something that I should even be concentrating on during a phone screen because it's like I can't. I have there's no body language. I don't even know what this person's like, um, and I'm trying to figure out. Like sometimes. Well, yeah, to, to your point, you know, sometimes people sell themselves really well, and it's not always just because they're good. Sometimes they're just like the schmoozy types, which mm-hmm. is uh, it's hard to see through that for me anyway. So I wonder if I'm just like maybe thinking like, oh, this person's such a good culture fit, and then I'm like, but did I ask them tech questions? Like, you know, um, I, I maybe I shouldn't even be trying. You know? Yeah, I, I have less of like a checklist on a phone screen, okay. and it's almost more of a, a gut feel. Like, mm. is this person? It, do I want to learn more from them? Um, and if I do, and I think that other people could learn it, then it's probably worth bringing them in. There are some people that are clear no's, some people that are clear yeses. Um, it's that middle of the road. That's the hardest to figure, <coughs> figure out. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Your, your point about like, um, old tech stacks, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I try not to judge people based on the fact that they're using old tech and, um, like, oh, well, I haven't had a chance to sink my teeth into react cause we've been on angular for forever. And, uh, but it's more about having them explain the thing that they know because that's all that matters. And I, we've talked to some people on the phone who are like actually technically very strong and I, like the resume is strong and their skills are strong. But when they go to articulate it, it's just like stumbles so hard. I'm like, this is tough because everything on paper looks good, but then it's hard to be in an agency and not be able to talk about it. Yeah, that is, you know, in many technical roles that might not necessarily apply, but in ours it does. And I think that in the phone screen it's really hard to, you know, those middle grounds, people are really hard to f- suss out. But I think that the red flags are more what you're looking for in a phone screen of this is a clear no. Um, and then the middle ground is always going to it's always going to be there um, to some extent. Yeah, I like I like to ask the question, um, what are you what are you interested in learning? Like what what's your focus yeah. on? Because that sort of gives you an idea of, yeah, I'm working on an old tech stack, but. I'm really interested in what some of the new stuff is, or I'm interested in this new library that um, I haven't had a chance to work on, but it shows that there's some interest in, in furthering their, their expertise. Yeah. I often ask about the like side projects and stuff that people work on. Not everyone always gets a chance to, but usually people are expressed then like, Oh, I really wanted to sink my teeth into some new thing. Like, Oh, react hooks just came out and I want to try that or whatever. That's a very front endy thing. But um, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's, I'm trying to figure out like how deep do we go with those technical questions on a call or is it more just sort of like let them talk and then you suss out what their answers are and just kind of let them ramble instead of me like pinging specific questions being like explain to me what this exact thing is like let them just ramble like let them talk is that probably a better approach you think yeah I think generally it's if you can have the conversation it's better it's best sometimes it's some people aren't 
as easy to, you know, don't talk so well. And so then you have to sort of dive in and we do have a few sort of more specific questions to then try to, uh, edge the conversation along. But if ideally they can, you know, get it all out themselves and just sort of ramble, um, and it can become a back and forth versus a interrogation. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it, you know, you want to have some prepared questions just in case it doesn't flow so well. I'm glad you said that. I've had the times where it feels like an interrogation a little bit. Like they're not, doesn't feel conversational. I'm like, all right, next question. Like, where were you on the night of this? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's awkward. So, you know, the second part of this, or I guess it's not the second part of this, it's this whole podcast is two things, phone screens and homework. So this is the other thing about like bridging this gap between I've talked to you on the phone and now I, I like want to maybe bring you in or like, so, okay, well, we've talked about this. Do we give homework to everybody or do we only give homework to the people where we're like kind of on the fence about it? So we've, that's the other thing that's hard on a phone screen. You only get 30 minutes. So sometimes it's, I'm on the fence and I don't really know which way I'm leaning. Like in an interview scenario, what we usually say is like, if we're all on the fence about this candidate we just interviewed, then we're like off the fence. You know, there's no point in all of us being like kind of wishy-washy about it. But on a phone screen, it's very common. Like you were saying, not everyone speaks well to things. Sometimes uh, people have a hard time articulating things on the phone. So I'm trying to figure out what we should, if we should have homework at all, like if we should give it out and how big should it be? Um, I really want to avoid the whole like build me a small website, like or build me an Amazon.com clone kind of thing. Um, have you given out homework before? Have you actually? Here's a better question: Have you gotten homework from past interview experiences? Have you ever had to like do a homework experience? I have a few times, and usually it's something pretty small. And so then I actually would take the opportunity to sort of like do some nice little flourishes and things to you know show off um, because most of the time it's not that big of a thing at least in my experience um, I, I'm sort of mixed personally about homework because you do have the chance to you know sort of weed out people who it's a developer's market right now and it's like oh they're gonna ask me to do homework I don't want to spend the night doing it like I'm only kind of interested yeah which is like a good and bad thing because you maybe it's good that you lost somebody who's only kind of interested but maybe they could have been a great candidate um, so I'm personally mixed about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never received a homework assignment, but I've, I've given out a number of homework assignments and I've gotten mixed feedback. Some people, um, I think one of the problems with the homework assignment is in an interview process, I think people assume that asking questions is a bad thing. And one of the, one of the homework assignments I've given, I intentionally put in vague descriptions in hopes that they would come back and ask for detail because that's I mean, that's the typical interaction with a client they don't sure. give you a fully fleshed out spec so yeah I want them to come back and ask detail um, I've gotten some really good assignments somebody knocked out something in a couple hours and handed it in and then I've had some senior people who were completely turned off by the fact that I asked them to do homework and are like you know fuck this I'm not interested in the job Yeah. Um, so it can work both ways. And, and in that scenario, that's probably somebody that I was, I was excited about, but I was in the mode of giving everybody homework. And it wasn't really necessary in that situation. So Jesse had batted around the idea of like paying people for their time, compensating yeah. them with like a, hey, for the, and this comes down to how much, how big the homework is too. But like, let's say it's like a, I don't know, $200 gift card, like Visa gift card or something like that. Like it's not, it's not crazy, but it's like enough to be like, hey, we know this sucks, but it's part of it. Yeah. Know? 
it's it's sort of it's kind of admitting like we get it we would not want to do this either because it's like not a great way to spend your time (laughs) like but uh i wonder if that's would you do that would you be more inclined to like oh i mean they get it that's kind like maybe i'll maybe i'll try this because at least they're open to the idea that like they're not just chewing up my time i i think it it's a good way to let them know that we value their time yeah and we're not just you know throwing this out to everybody and and just see what you come up with so i think it, it's some good incentive if somebody's truly interested um i don't think 200 dollars is going to make it and break it for the guy who decided you know he's he's appalled by yeah, we, sure. the fact that we asked him to do homework but that's fine it's it's those middle tier people that that you know they're probably on a job hunt talking with other people we're asking them to invest a little bit of time into showing us what they can do for rocket so i think it's a nice gesture and we'll hopefully get somebody uh more interested in actually putting some effort into it yeah that's true and i do think that it probably could be a differentiating factor if somebody's interviewing around and they've done a few homework assignments if you get paid for this one it's like a pretty you know maybe it's not an impactful amount of money but it's a Nice little bonus. That's true. Remember, like internships in college and stuff, and you're like, "Wow, you got paid for yours? That's awesome! How did I get in there?" It's sort of different. Yeah, it's like, "Oh, they value my time here. That's cool. I like yeah. that. That's true. It makes a big difference." Um, and I know that looking at the sentiment on Hacker News and things, it seems like a lot of people, a lot of companies are going that way of having, a, if you're doing homework, having it be paid, and that I think you are starting to see it become more normal than just a sort of outlier. What are some of the other, I didn't know that other people were doing this. That's, uh, that's cool. This was, it was more of a, you'll see um, discussions about interview interviewing and the process and there'll be heavily upvoted comments that are saying you should pay if you're doing home, someone, if they're doing homework and that kind of thing, which I've never seen been a part of on either end. Uh, but it's interesting that, there's the sentiment out there seems to be pretty strong just you know in the internet yeah i think to your point like it is a developer's market so if you want them to go that extra mile giving them a little incentive i think we'll we'll you'll have much more success with it especially when we're trying to hire senior people that are like i can go anywhere you know it's like why do i why would i spend my time doing this stupid exercise yeah a lot of people and and this is this is good and bad like if I'm going in someplace to interview, I'm looking for them to sell me on the company. Yeah. I'm not trying to sell myself because yeah. anybody who's really good and a senior and has been doing it for a long time, they know they're good, right? So I think it, it, the interview works both ways too. Oh, definitely. I like it when people ask me questions and I and I get to like the last tier of the interview and I'm like, I am now selling you. I don't know if it's clear, but that's like, you know. Yeah. And if and if you give a homework assignment that is a waste of their time, then yeah, like I'll go somewhere else. I don't need to be there. Yeah. So can't be too long, right? Like, what do you think? Like a couple no. hours, maybe. Yeah, a couple hours. Like I, in the past, I've done like a full project, and you and I had talked about this before, where I, I almost feel like it's too much. I like. I, I'm leaning towards going and having an existing project where we ask them to implement a feature. Um, Shouldn't take a huge amount of time, get a Git repo up, and just say the submission is you submit a pull request. And that way we can look at the code, we can see what you did, we can see that you followed existing standards because it's much more rare to be able to go in somewhere and start from scratch. You're typically joining an existing team. So being able to to work within that project and not try to force your coding style down you know and and 
just following what they what exists i think is is a valuable metric to to collect from them and i like that from the android perspective because with a lot of our coding you know pairing that we do in our interview process now um the first you know half hour to an hour is somebody just setting up retrofit and okay yeah. and sort of these standard libraries that everybody uses but you only do it once at the Extreme beginning of a stick. project yeah and it's it's always a stumbling block because you don't do it that often and um i it's not necessarily an indicative of how productive someone really would be right sure. yeah, typically you're just following a google tutorial to, yeah. to get it up and running so i was gonna say because if someone was like hey can you configure this webpack thing for me i'd be like i haven't done that since webpack one or two what version are we on now oh, i gotta learn this thing yeah actually there's a when i did one of these homework exercises for facebook i was just doing this like interview everywhere for a while and i lived in la because i just this is fun and i like homework and this is a good exercise and it's like i wasn't planning on going anywhere i just enjoyed it i certainly didn't want to work at facebook um but their homework was build a count like a very basic calendar kind of thing uh in react and i hadn't used react I'm like well, this would be a good excuse to use react and crack into this and but one of the things they had was um you, it can't be it has to just be like open an html file and run right i can't I don't want to run a local server or anything like that. So, you know, me like got into this and I was having fun. I'm like, all right, like NPM start, write a readme doc and like send it off and like, boom, you failed the idiot test. Like I can't open this thing in an HTML file. I'm like, that's fair. I'm like, yeah, I did not do that. I was like trying to be all shiny and like be like, look how much I did. And I gave you docs and I have these helpful comments and they're like, but you failed the one thing I asked. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would be that harsh though. If someone did that, I'd be like, yeah, but you kind of did a lot, you know? I don't. I don't think I. I would. I would care that much about that kind of thing. But yeah. I also want to plant little things like that in an agency. You delivering something fantastic is great, but if it's not what the customer wants, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So and on time. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. That's key. Yeah. We've uh, we've seen a lot of that where um, we try to shoot for the moon, and it's like, well, it's three weeks late, and it's still not done, but it's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not great. Uh, let's see what what are we at here? Oh, we're we're doing good on time. Um, are there other notes you guys wanted to cover before we move on into picks or anything like that? There's a lot of things that we could talk about here. It's just it's kind of a vague subject. All right, so yeah, so we're gonna go around. We'll do our picks. Um, I'll go first because I'm already talking. Uh, so my pick this week is gonna be, or this episode is gonna be, um, the Black Mirror episode called Bandersnatch, which is a choose your own adventure thing. Uh, it takes place with like uh, you're a computer programmer in the mid '80s, and you're working for this video game company, and um, it's really cool. I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's so trippy and makes you think about reality in a weird way, man. It's just a cool choose-your-own-adventure story, and the way that they like rewind from when you made a wrong choice, let's say, or like the the thing ends too fast, the way they bring you back up to speed and kind of recap everything is is new and different each time you watch it. And so it says it's an hour and a half. But it's really closer to about two hours. Uh, but I definitely recommend it. But yeah, clear your schedule a little bit for that one. That's good stuff. Great. Um, mine's a book. Um, it's Weapons of Math Destruction, How Big Data Increased, Increases Inequality and Threatens Democracy by Kathy O'Neill. Uh, she's someone who worked as a quant on Wall Street, I believe, and then moved into um, startups, uh, building big algorithms. And I read the book a few months ago, so it's not entirely clear to me but my recollection is that each chapter is sort of devoted to a aspect of um sort of life whether it's education or crime um health and how what ends up happening is people build algorithms that end up being self-reinforcing or um 
uh, end up causing more harm than than good in terms of whether or not it's existing biases in the developers or unforeseen circumstances, and that if we're not careful, it's pretty easy to have these black box algorithms that you know tell cops where to go um, in certain neighborhoods that might not be the most effective use of their time or the resources. Um, and I found it very enlightening and somewhat uh, depressing. But, a little terrifying. But yeah. uh, it was a, it was a very interesting. I never thought about that. Read. Like the idea that you could have this downward spiral of like a self reinforcing algorithm that, and you, if you're not paying really close attention, it could just be end up being like that tw- like racist Microsoft Twitter robot, and you're like, what did we do? Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah, that that's a the t- tweets or whatever it was is a great example. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, my pick is Elixir Phoenix Live Views. Um, If you're not familiar, uh, Elixir Phoenix, uh, Elixir is the language, Phoenix is the framework, is a similar framework to Ruby on Rails, uh, where it's very opinionated. Um, It's uh, it's built, uh, Elixir and Phoenix are both built by uh, ex-Rails core uh, developers. Um, It's, it's, my favorite language by far right now. And Live Views is a new feature um, that Chris McCord, who was the, the creator of Phoenix, is building um, to utilize their the Elixir's concurrency model where they have um, socket channels built into the framework. And Live Views are a way that you can tag HTML to do JavaScript validation type framework. Um, so you don't need it if you want to just have um, client side validation of of uh, field inputs on a form, for instance. You don't need to put in an entire rack, uh, sorry, uh, React infrastructure onto the UI. You just tag it, and it actually will make calls back through the socket, validate with the actual models defined uh, for the database, and return true or false. And it is incredibly fast and incredibly scalable. It still has not been uh, fully released. Uh, I've been playing around with some of the the, uh, the beta stuff, and it's it's incredible. It's it's game changing for me because I I love the client server actual server side rendered HTML, and the fact that I don't need to go and put in a full JavaScript framework into the front end for simple tasks like this is is a game changer yeah makes a ton of sense i don't know why like when you explained that i was like i don't know why it took this long to get there yeah that's incredible so (laughs) interesting how it came to be was he was trying to build this on rails okay and ruby their concurrency is there it's it's a major problem in ruby um because he was trying to build this in ruby he decided he was going to look for uh, another language that it might work better in and then port that to Ruby. He found Elixir, uh, which was uh, created by Jose Valim and found that he loved this language. So he, for two, three years, built Phoenix rather than focus on his live channel communication, built Phoenix so that he could then implement that feature that he was trying to do a couple years ago in Rails. So it's... Uh, it's very cool. I encourage everybody that's yeah. that's interested in that stuff. That's like, well, my understanding of like Elixir's thing was basically like a lot of real timeness was built into Elixir. Elixir. That's like the worst elevator pitch ever. I understand, but like <laughs> Elixir's built on Erlang. Erlang is a language created in the '70s by Ericsson. Uh, so they built software for- like Sony Ericsson, like same Ericsson, the phone communication yeah, okay, yeah. company in um, in uh, Europe, uh-huh. and. 
so they built a system that was extremely fault tolerant because phone phone calls, one phone call having an error can't bring down the system. Um, and just huge concurrency. It needs to be able to scale well. So um, Jose found this language and decided, you know, it's it's written like a 70s language. It's not super easy to get into. He, yeah, he he decided to, to write a language that would compile to Beam, which is the uh, Erlang virtual machine. Um, so yeah, and you get all of that stuff built in. Uh, it, it's just incredible what you can do with the language. It's pretty crafty. That's yeah. awesome. Wow, that is cool. Yeah, that's like maybe that's like going to be a, a return. I was I was thought for a while like ah, backend devs going to be like you know uh, uh, what are they, like backend as a service these headless CMS kind of things and we're going to move away from that. But this is like maybe this will be like a nice return to the server side yeah. world, which I I like it. Everything and it's not going to solve yeah, it's right. not going to solve all client side stuff, but a lot of that boilerplate stuff that everybody sort of wants, but. You end up having you don't want to do a bunch of jQuery. And you end up putting in these heavyweight frameworks that for something relatively simple. And it usually boils down to form validation. Yes, yeah, it's, it's always form validation. validation. Yeah, and it's you don't want the validation to be duplicated on the client side right. and the server side because you can't validate uniqueness and on then the you client have side. Like Meteor, where it's like you can have isomorphic JavaScript, you can use the same on both, and it's like yeah, but I had to create a whole framework. To do yeah, that. this is nice work, and then it would be cool because at that point your JavaScript would be like. Well, I just want to make things flashy and like yeah. animate. That would be. Hmm, I like this. That's interesting stuff. That's a good pick. All right. Well, uh, that's it. I think. Um, thanks for thanks for coming by and and doing this. And we'll do more soon. And I don't know when these are going to go out. We don't haven't built a website for it yet. So maybe we'll build it in Elixir. All right. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you.